0: Hey everyone, before we get started with the podcast, just wanted to put a quick note out. Um, This coming October 14th, that weekend, there will be a total off-road podcast invasion of Badlands Off-Road Park in Attica, Indiana. Uh, Some people will probably be coming just for the day. Some folks are already talking about getting a hotel for the weekend. Um, So just wanted to put that out there if you guys want to come on out for that. Um, Post up in the... Total Offroad Podcast Trail Riders Facebook page and um, see who's going. We'll see you there.
1: Landing on your stock rigged, a full blown ls powered two buggies on stickies. This is the Total Offroad Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Derek, and this is episode 185. Mike, we did it. We did it
0: for real this time. We didn't even mess around. Not only did we not mess around with the intro,
1: now you've gone wheeling too. We have both been wheeling. That is something that we did also.
0: The drought has been broken. The listeners will now be drowning in wheeling content.
1: I'll tell you what, I've been thirsty. You you have been thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I want to call you out on your background. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. I was—I wanted to voice and video to make sure that I had my uh, headphone and microphone settings correct. I did not, by the way, because I couldn't hear Derek during the beginning of this. Uh, and I was just scrolling, and it said something about backgrounds, and I was like, "What the hell is this shit?" So I turned it on. So it's—I don't—I don't know what's going on here.
0: I'm gonna screenshot it,
1: <laughs> and we'll maybe do something with that. There you go.
0: God damn it, it didn't fucking save. Uh, you suck. I do suck. My laptop at work has a different screen cap program than my laptop at ho- or my computer at home, so I probably need to just fix that. Anyway. Uh, Mike, you did some wheeling. Where did you go?
1: I went to Dubuque, Iowa, and I wheeled at Core, the complete off-road experience, a.k.a. Kitternotes. The complete, I don't even know anymore. The complete off-road experience? No. Oh, the no complete time. and total number one. Off-road <laughs> good time experience or something like that. Complete and total number one good time
2: off-road experience.
0: Man, it's been so long, I don't even remember. The complete and total off-road.
1: I have to like write good. the words cater the the acronym down. Just yeah, to know. I just did that. T O R N O G T E. Complete and total off-road number one good time extravaganza. There we go.
0: We got that's it. We what nailed it. it. Is. Third time's a charm. So Mike yeah, has now
1: it's... disappeared
0: because he's leaning oh, too oh, far yeah, out yeah. of the
1: screen. I, oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. I get too close, and it's like, where am I? <laughs> Where am I, Derek? Sorry, Mike's just a floating head now. Oh my god! Oh man, well I have to hold the mic, otherwise I'm like leaned forward, my neck hurts. Anyway,
2: so how was
1: core? It was a good time. We're gonna have a whole episode or two dedicated to that. Uh, Probably just one. It was just a couple days of wheeling. Uh, That'll probably be with Kyle or Steve or both of them if they are available to record soon. I hope so. Um, But overall, good experience. I got Snow Day back, uh, which you all know if you listened to the last one. Did some basic maintenance, loaded on the trailer. I had a, a fairly uh, uneventful trip, which is great. Uh, I picked up Groey at his house, and he was my co-pilot. He definitely earned his spot, but we'll talk about that on the next one.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: <laughs> but Snowday did great. Um, other than some body damage, uh, really nothing to report.
0: That's Awesome. Yeah, um, it, was, it was just no good. trailer tire woes this time. No, hopefully. it was
1: smooth smooth silk. Not only does it have four new trailer tires, but they're also balanced, and it was an incredibly smooth ride.
0: Nice, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I the the rest of this episode will be me talking about the the second half of my Rubicon trip, um, but before that um i guess first let's let's talk about our our drinks and i'm gonna get um, it this time because i turned oh. off noise suppression are you ready yes are the listeners ready it doesn't matter here yes they are oh i heard it yay and if i heard it that means they heard it hell yeah i'm drinking oh god grains of virtue brewing company mr whisker it is a haitian stout with cacao nibs in it and it has a picture of a cat on the front and nice. it's a 10.5 so i'm gonna be drunk by the end of this shit oh wow 10.5 dang so for me and of course i'm drinking it out of my complete off-road koozie hell yeah they have the number Although you course course should
1: be drinking it out of a glass because most beer with that amount of abd is better tasting when it gets to air out a bit.
0: it's it's an okay beer
1: um it's not my favorite, but I'm really Ten and a half, You think it has some big, bold flavors?
0: You would. It do-
1: Actually, it does. And I don't
0: love all of them.
1: Ah, that's it. So it does have big flavors that are just not your favorite flavors. They're not my favorite flavors. Yeah.
0: It's not bad. It's it's a good beer, but I don't think putting it in a, a glass is going to fix it for me. I'm
1: sorry. What kind of beer is it again? Uh, Haitian stout. Haitian stout. I'm not even sure I know what a Haitian stout is. Like what makes it Haitian versus just any step the cacao nibs I don't know I don't know that's pretty common anymore
2: or it's becoming more popular I don't know ma'am
1: sorry I'm also eating no no it's totally fine you're gonna have a lot to say and then I'm just gonna be sitting here soaking it in
0: I need my I need my energy to talk through Um, okay wait we're gonna do the same thing I think as last time I'm gonna take notes So I can show you pictures, although the pictures on day
1: three aren't quite as much, but uh, we'll make it happen anyway. I gotcha. So I'm drinking a an oldie, but a goodie Uh, triptych. A wizard is never late. This is one of my favorite triptych beers. I I probably say that a lot about triptych beers, but it's my favorite brewery. This beer I actually don't like out of the can. Pour it into a glass, and it's one of my favorites. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm not even kidding. When I drink it from the can, I think it's kind of gross. Pour it into a glass, it completely transforms. It is a uh It's a hazy double IPA. I think it's, uh, you know, it says 7.7 on their website, but I'm pretty sure the can said something different. Either way, it's around 8%. It's, uh, it's delicious. It's uh, been happening for a long time. They re-release it pretty often because it's so popular, and it's popular for a reason. It's uh, very fruity, very hoppy, very delicious.
0: Can't wait to try it
1: someday. Yes, I hope you. I'm have to have you start shipping me beer. I mean, I can. I guess as long as like bubble wrap it or something, so it's not a disaster.
0: <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think if, if you put can- beer cans in a in a cardboard box and it was like pretty not moving around, like if it was a tight fitting cardboard box, mm-hmm. it'd be fine. I mean, Um,
1: I guess we should ask some of the guys that have shipped beers to the podcast in the past how they did it. Or I guess I could ask Ian since he was always the one that opened the boxes. Yeah, that's true. You
0: don't ask anybody to send us beer anymore because they have to go to three different fucking
1: places. Four different places. It'd be terrible. But I'm not sure. Like, okay, so when you go to ship a liquid, you have to say that, right? You have to be like, I'm shipping liquids. And then they tell you no, right? Isn't that just how that works? Maybe you pay extra. I'm not sure. You can also maybe. just lie. I was going to say, I assume, and I could be wrong, that everybody just lies and sends it anyway. And I'm for <laughs> the best because if a package that you sent ends up like breaking up and ruining a bunch of stuff, I assume you're liable for that. And that's the reason that yeah, maybe. they ask you if you're shipping liquids or hazardous yeah. materials or whatever. Well, obviously, I mean, hazardous materials you probably shouldn't. But also, anything. like, live animals. Like, they always say, like, is this liquid hazardous live animal? Like, you know what I mean? There's, like, the things yeah. in... I'm like sure the if it's a liquid, is, they
0: have like okay, it has to go on the bottom and like
1: you know whatever. I don't know. I just I've I wonder. I'm gonna have to <laughs> click it under someone else's profile sometime to see what happens. <laughs> like what happens if I am shipping a liquid? Do you just tell me no, or are you like okay <laughs> blacklisted? <laughs> so you so you're on UPS website or USPS, <laughs> and you're like is is your item liquid? And you click. Yes, and it's like, you can't ship this, and you uncheck it, and you're like, okay, still sending. Yeah.
2: And they're like, hey,
1: is this the same package Are you were you sending sure? five seconds yeah. ago? <laughs> no, it's a different one now. I accidentally clicked the Is this? Yeah, a liquid? That, was, yeah. that wasn't
0: me.
2: <laughs> that was somebody else.
0: The same name, <laughs> and the same exact package dimensions, and weight, and phone number, and address.
1: It's like, oh, man, this box is like four by four by six, and weighs like seven pounds. I wonder if it's liquid. <laughs> That's not the way. <laughs> okay, I'm going to change uh, my background since it's irritating you and because I can't do this and I disappear. I actually ir- <laughs>
0: it's actually not irritating me. Oh, it's not irritating you? No. It's okay. fun. It looks Mike's in like a he's facing I think you're the like wrong a way
1: hackers room or something. Yeah,
0: you're facing the wrong way in a hackers room.
1: Yeah, I don't know why I'm like back to back with this guy.
0: There's like but. 12 TVs and he's playing bug hunt, which I think is like duck hunt. Or something, I don't know. This is all systems operational though, so it's all I good. Know. It's
1: just this room is pretty dark, and I was afraid that it would be weird for me to have a dark background. Let me let me see what happens if I change it. Maybe it'll be fine. Did you get your your boom mic thing yet? No, Steve was saying he was gonna hook me up, and nah, he's busy. He didn't, Core or happened. it's not yet.
0: Core happened. I yeah. bet if
1: you bug him enough, it'll be oh, fine. Wow. this room really is dark if I do that. Got it. Whoa, Dude, yeah, you got it dark. Well, yeah, I just have the one paint. light on because otherwise it's a so crazy bright in here. For
0: sure. I guess I could um, do that. Before we get into Rubicon stuff, I have some some housekeeping things, so to speak. Um, mm. So for, for starters, uh, my parents, um, they've got a travel trailer and they have a 2011 Yukon. And they towed the travel trailer to Dustin, Florida. And when they got there, it started making a pretty awful noise. They took it to a shop and the shop was like, your wheel bearings are bad. And when they told me this story, I was like, oh, front wheel bearings, that's fine, easy to do. Um, and then they took it somewhere else because they were like, well, we don't do wheel bearings, but you know, we can send you down to the shop. So I took it somewhere else and they're like, no, it's your rear wheel bearings. And possibly more, it seems like you need a new axle. I quoted them like, $5,000 or like $4,300 for a crate axle plus the labor to swap it out. And it was going to be a week or more. And they were like, well, this won't do. And so they were like looking for vehicles
1: to buy and just trade the Yukon in right. Dude, right what then. is it with these? Your parents, didn't they also back in the day have an OBS Tahoe or Yukon or something that the trains went out when they were towing a travel trailer? Uh, suburban and the engine seized man yeah what 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 luck it's like not you want to luck. say like should they not be towing with a half ton or do they just have really bad luck
0: probably shouldn't be towing with a half ton or at least i mean their trailer's like six just over six thousand pounds i that's think that's probably so fine i would i would think i mean i'd say way
1: more than that with a half ton
0: right um but i you know they're my parents i love them to death but they're not car people who knows if it had been making noises before they left uh, for the trip and they just didn't notice, you know? Yeah,
1: that could very well be. Um,
0: but anyway, so that's not the point. Uh, the point is I, I made a Facebook post and a lot of people, you know, saying like, hey, does anybody near Dustin, like, know anybody who could who has a shop that can help them out or anything like that? Um, thinking like maybe somebody could find a junkyard axle and swap it in or something like that. And um, a few people came... You know, with suggestions, I really appreciate everybody's advice or, you know, suggestions and support. Uh, But Anthony Cairns uh, put them in touch with Joe Pitts, who has a shop, I think, in Fort Walton Beach, which is like pretty close to Destin. Um, And he said, you know, yeah, we could do it. You know, he gave him the labor rate and the parts cost and it was much cheaper than the... I don't even remember. I think it was a good year that was going to do the axle swap. um, And, and, and though he, he thinks he can get it done this week. Um, oh, wow. That's awesome. And that's with like all AC Delco stuff. And like, I don't know my parents shared with me the quote and it, like, it all looks legit. It sounds, it sounds like he's going to put a new ring opinion in it. New opinion, bearing, new rebuild kit and new wheel bearings. So it'll be an axle. that's good as new. Wow, awesome. um, and they'll be able to drive home. They get to stay a little extra, which they probably needed because they were running around trying to solve this issue for the first half of the vacation. Um, yeah. And my mom can work remotely and my dad is quasi retired. So um, it works out. Um, so thank you everybody who provided some suggestions, but um, thank you, Joe Pitts and Anthony for putting us in touch because that really helped them out. So that's awesome. Yeah.
1: I, it's always nice to have a network of people that you can, uh, you know, rely on to help you out in a situation yeah, that, like that.
0: The off-road community, I mean, time and time again has never ceased to amaze me at how willing people are to lend a hand, buy parts and install parts and, and do all that stuff. Um So I just, yeah, I, I love it. I love the the sense of community that I have as an off-roader. So just one to. Say thanks and express my gratitude to everybody. Awesome. Yes. All um, right. Now I got a bone to pick. Oh. I was listening to well, okay, some some good stuff. I was listening to Snail Trail. Um, I think I mentioned it in the last episode. Episode two twenty is uh, the two the two Jimmy and Tyler talking to um Merlin and John Arns about the history of the Rubicon and then they did another one where they talked about why all of the um or the what, what the name reason for the names are for all of the obstacles on the Rubicon. Um so that's episode three forty four. Totally worth a listen. It's two parts really interesting. Bunch of bunch of really seasoned guys um with you know, experience in the Rubicon, the same two guys. And, uh, so I wrapped that one up and then I was like, Oh, let's see what, let's see how Tyler felt about the Rubathon event, which was going on while we were there. Um, and he was like, yeah, I met Derek and Chris and, and, uh, I didn't realize how short Derek was. (laughs) I don't think I'm that short.
1: (laughs) It's just not true. You're almost six feet tall.
0: I'm almost six feet tall, but I'm not six feet tall. I'm on five foot two. I round up to six. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tyler's pretty tall. And Chris Paul is even taller and he was standing next to me. So I'm sure I looked like a, you know, a minion. Um, But yeah, Uh, I think he was like, I think Derek might even be shorter than you when he when he was talking to Jimmy. So um, we'll have to he and I will have to stand back to back when we finally do meet because I still have not met yet. Yeah, still have not yet met
1: jimmy jesus christ yeah it was a tongue twister but you got it out
0: yeah i got it out <laughs> we'll have to stand back to back and see who's taller
1: i think it's weird that people in general are so tall now like young people are all very tall and i'm Dude, just like what crazy. is this something about evolution that's just making everyone taller
0: yeah it must be like maybe there's just better nutrition for babies or for kids these days I'll or something, something. I, don't know. I, feel
1: I feel like feel- everyone i work with is younger than me and they're all taller than me And I'm I'm not even like restored. I'm just like an average height fella. But for some reason, everyone's like 6'2 or above. And it's like, why is this happening?
0: It's the same for me. I'm like, I'm 5'11 and like people are just towering over me at work. I'm like, how are you all this tall? Like the younger they are, the taller they are. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, for real. And it may be true. Maybe it is better nutrition for babies. I hope that Elliot ends up being tall.
0: Yeah. Or maybe maybe it's like growth spurts last longer or puberty lasts longer. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know anything about biology. Your wife would probably have some
1: some insight on that, though. I mean, judge she would probably say that it's based on family, and her entire family is short, so (laughs) he doesn't have a very good chance. (laughs) And my mom is short, and it's like your mom's not that short. I mean, for I for a lady, I guess she's like five one or five two. No, I guess she's shorter than I thought. Same height as Patty, five one or five two. Got it. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, no big deal. Whatever. Uh, that's not off road related.
0: I mean, no, but people, people off road. So I, I don't know.
1: I, I have this. I can't stretch this one. <laughs> people off road. Um.
0: All We're right. The last...
1: people and people sometimes go off road, man, Derek. That's... That is off road related. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, the last thing I have is related to Snail Trail. Is not really directly related to Snail Trail, but uh, was this. Kind of funny thing that happened was um, <laughs> with somebody on the trail, and I didn't understand it at the time because it was through the radio, and I just heard you should. After we after we ran into Tyler on the trail, um, and we saw Kermit, which is awesome. I don't remember if I would talk through it. I think I did talk through it in the last episode, but um, after I did uh, run into him, somebody was like, "Man, we we're talking about how the Hummers and the Silverado were just." big, big booty Judies and whales mm. and so on and so forth. And, uh, somebody was like, you should rename your podcast whale trail. Mm. And I was like, but I heard snail trail and I was like, I don't get it. Um, and then they, they, they were like, did you understand before? And I was like, no, I did not. And they said, "We said, rename your podcast whale trail. And I was like, that's much more funny. Um, but obviously I had to be there, so I won't keep harping on this one.
1: Dude, Um, I got called uh, wide hips at the core event (laughs) because I was the only Uh full-size. There was even a point where the president of the Stump Jumpers said, oh, you full-size guys might have some issues in the woods, and everyone just looks at me, and I'm like, come on. I'm the only one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I did. That's funny. That's funny. All right. Um, Another thing that I don't know if I mentioned, or maybe I did, but I'm going to do it now so I don't forget, is not only are there a bunch of like, not Porta Johns, Perma Johns, I guess, <laughs> scattered throughout the trail, but there's great trail markings and reflectors, which I'm like, they're just like reflectors that you would see on the road. They're like, you know, construction adhesive to the rock. Mm-hmm. But after you, every time you get to one, you can see where the next one's at. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to mark a trail. And then at night, I was like, ah, I see why they do it because you could see exactly where you need to go all the time. Um, oh,
1: wow. That's kind of incredible. Like what an ingenious marking system to not only have them clearly marked that you can see them from the next one and that they're reflective.
0: Yeah, it's totally, it's amazing. They're kind of hard to see during the day sometimes. Um, but I mean, they're not impossible. And like night is definitely way easier to get lost and end right. up. <laughs> there was a section where we were driving out one uh, one of the nights and like, the the trail like veers to the left. It's near Andrews Rock for those who near who know Rubicon going towards Loon. Um, and if you keep going straight, you die. Yeah. <laughs> it just literally drops off like forty or fifty feet. Oh, um, lovely. So jog left. Um, yeah. I was just driving, and we're like, I don't think this is the trail. And I like lean my head out, and I'm like, it looks like it just drops off. I'm gonna. My co-driver was like, Oh no, the reflectors over there. I was like, Ah, good. We didn't die.
2: It's always nice when you don't die when you're off-roading.
0: Yep. Um, And then the last thing that I will mention from last time. So I think I mentioned that Vey, who had the Hummer H3 on 40s, that's not exocaged, had a steering failure. I might not have mentioned this, but he had a steering failure. Um, the, The body was rubbing on one of the hydro lines that was coming out of the power steering box. Um, and eventually it, it rubbed through enough that it lost all pressure and, and kind of dead in, dead in the water there. Um, Chuck, one of the guys had the like field serviceable, uh, connector. Hmm. I don't know what you, I don't know what the technical name for it is, but basically you like cut off the hydro line, slide this crimp, this not crimp connector, this connector onto it. And like then you a barbed like barbed
1: connector or something. Yeah.
0: And then you like tighten it and it crimps onto the hydro line. And oh. I was like, I, 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 I was kind of aware of it, but not like intimately aware of it. And now that is something that I will 100% bring with me on the trail. I just need to find the name of it. And I've done zero research. So um, if somebody wants to at me uh, on so some form with the name of
1: that, that would be awesome. Those hydro lines. And I don't know if they're all built the same, but the last ones that I, well, the ones I still have uh, were made by Ian. Back in the day, like when he was, had a service truck and they're so thick that like I even one of them hit got hit by my fan. Like my, mm-hmm. I don't know how this happened but somehow I got hit by my fan and it like worn through it and was showing belts. And he was like, no, there's still like a complete second layer and a second set of belts before you actually get there. It's like you'd have to wear this thing down like a quarter inch to actually have a leak because they're so intense. And I'm like, for sure, how does somebody actually split one of those like? They're rated to handle like way more PSI and they're so thick. I mean, you'd have to like be digging into it for I feel like a long time to actually wear through one.
0: I mean, I think he was like he did the whole Rubicon and then some with, yeah. with setup. setup. So like, and you could see it like the They like, I don't think he did this, the hydro swap. So like the shop, like, cut up into the body a little bit to clear and sit for those. But like you could tell that it wasn't enough and it was just literally like every time the body would flex, it was like cut, 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 cut. Oh, yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And then once you get through that last layer, you know, you put it under pressure and the lines are usually rated for like three to 5,000 PSI and a power steering system is like maybe 1400, 1500 PSI. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's yeah, if you get a lot it really of pressure. Thin. Yeah, if you get it really thin. And so it just was like and it like shot hydro steering fluid. Uh actually all over the manifold, which I saw a poof of smoke and I was like, fuck. I like pulled my uh fire extinguisher and ran over there and it, it didn't catch on fire, it just smoked a lot, so that was good. Yeah. Um that was on day two which is when we were coming back or maybe going to observation point and then eventually heading back so i think that's where we left off was back at camp um and so let me share let me share my screen with you and then we'll keep track of the uh
2: we'll keep track of the
0: the thingies the pictures that i mentioned so so here's camp it's the last picture on the post that i made on the trail riders page <laughs> um really beautiful space
1: like are you showing that in the chat on this
0: uh my, you gotta check my stream
1: oh you're literally streaming it yeah
2: okay hold on i can figure this out
1: (laughs) it doesn't say you're streaming oh yeah it does aha i'm dumb. oh yeah i'm gonna make a pause marker but i don't need to now okay No, no no it's cool i got it i got it
0: so we're at camp um And, uh, let's see, I, okay. So we went through the V notch going back towards the RTF loop. Okay. Actually, let me, let me step take a step back. So the plan was to wake up, do the RTF loop, which we were told takes two to four hours and then head to old sluice, which was on the way back to Loon Lake, which is where we were supposed to camp, um, on Saturday, which is Saturday, which is day three at night, and then people would leave Sunday morning, um, you know, right at the beginning of the trail and head home. Um, at the time, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do old sluice. Um, I think there is like a, a, a squeeze rock or a, a rock that you lean into to do it the proper way, but apparently there's a bypass. So I was like, well, at least I'll walk it and maybe watch some of the other guys do it and put eyes on it. Um, and You know, I I like to save the glass. I'm not afraid of body damage, but I would like to save the glass. And it sounded like I would not save the glass. So um, if I could do that, I was definitely willing to do it. Um, So that was the plan. (laughs) Yeah, I get you. So we'll uh, we'll start with the fun part. So I'm calling it day 3.1. So we head out. uh, We go down the slabs, um, which, you know, look. Well, they look kind of like this. Yeah, like gigantic (laughs) rocks. Gigantic slabs of granite. Um and so I'll just save that as image one. Sorry, people have to listen to this probably. You'll
1: get to see this eventually. Well, hopefully by the time that you're listening to this, it's out, right? That you post. I'll post I'll post it on the
0: trail riders before this episode gets Oh man, that
1: left top pick is very beautiful right there. Right here nope i said left oh sorry my left might not be your left that one yeah
0: yeah okay so so then we we go down um not pictured i break the other tie rod (laughs) uh end and in the v i think it's called v notch rock or it's a v-shaped rock it might not actually have a name um but Yeah, so that was just an annoyance at that point. We were headed down to a science. That was the second one that broke. Uh, I think we had it fixed in about 12 minutes this time. Um, Got back on the trail uh, and then headed to the RTF loop, which is called the Granite Loop, actually. Um, And it's on the Rubicon Trail Foundation private property. Um, But it's right off the main Rubicon Trail. It's just you turn left. And then you go down like a connector and then you do a loop and then you go back up the connector to the Rubicon trail and then you're done. Um, we were told that it would take about two to four hours. Uh, it, it pretty much did. Um, we got down to the... Um, actually, let me give some history on it. So in 2010, the Rubicon Trail Foundation purchased around 300 acres of private property that's north of the trail, um, mainly just to get sort of a foothold or a, a, a seat at the table with decisions about the Rubicon so that like, you know, government isn't just like, Hey, let's do this thing. That's really dumb and can hurt it or eventually get it closed. Yeah. Um, and so, um, for a while, I guess the property just sat there. Um, and then in 2021 or 2022, they added a loop and then it's scattered with amazing obstacles and views. Um, it's a completely different view of the Rubicon because in this section of the Rubicon, you're actually kind of curving around where the loop is. Um, so you like, you're like you constantly going down the hill, then you get to the bottom, and then you're pretty much down at the lower level until you go up Cadillac Hill to the end where you can see everything. Um, this is kind of the area that you're looking at because um, everything else is sort of uphill and wooded. And so you're down in this area that's sort of open and in the middle of everything. Um, so you get a totally different view of the Rubicon. Um, so is
1: this part of the trail part of the Rubicon or not?
0: It's attached to the Rubicon trail. The Rubicon trail is a, oh, I'm going to butcher it. County. It's not a county road. It's a county claimed road. Hmm. So it's not maintained. Well, it's sort of maintained, but it's not maintained like a road would be. Um,
1: yeah, it'd be weird for them to pave the Rubicon.
0: Yeah. Um, and so, but it's, it's, it's more or less public slash government owned land, whereas the RTF loop is on private property. So I guess they, they do have the ability to close it at any time. Presumably they will not. Um, it's on
1: private property, but it is open to the public. Correct. That's more or less the thing.
0: There's other RTF properties around the Rubicon that are private that are not open to the public, which is actually where we camped the first night. We had permission to do so. Um, gotcha. Their first two nights, rather. Um, so, yeah. So this is private property, but open to the public.
1: So um, you would do it either at the beginning or the end of the Rubicon Trail, I assume?
0: It's in the middle of the trail. Oh, it's in the middle, okay. So, like, you do part of the trail, you turn off, do the loop, and then turn turn back on, and then you either keep going or go back or whatever you want to do. Um, so it's a nice, it's a nice bonus line, but it is probably... It's harder than... The main trail, um, but I would say not harder than Old Sluice. Well, I don't know if it's old, harder than Old Sluice. I, I, people tell me it's not harder than Old Sluice. Um, and then I would also say it's probably not harder than Little Sluice. Um, I had problems on Little Sluice and I didn't have really any problems on the Rubicon Trail Foundation loop, the Granite loop. Um, a granite view loop. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, let me just talk through it, I guess. (laughs) So this is just the picture that Mike is talking about is just a picture of a a nice little creek that runs through it. Um, and so this is the second picture I'll share. Um, and it's just an amazing view. You don't get much. I mean, there's water on the rest of the Rubicon, but this is like just a, a creek through the granite. It's really nice.
1: If the photo makes it look good, you know it was beautiful there because usually the photo doesn't do it justice.
0: That's that's actually a good point. So um, this is also the loop. Wow. Um, Just spectacular views. The Rubicon trail is to the left of the third picture that I'll post. Um, We're kind of down into it right now in this picture. Um, And then we we happened upon this like lily pad covered pond. It's just like unreal beauty here yeah it Uh, looks that's gorgeous yeah that's the fourth picture i'll post um so this is this is actually right where the trail kind of splits off into the loop portion so this is the end of the like connector um there is like a squeeze tree um and i told vey this is vey in the in the red hummer. um i was like hey vey it's a little tight hug the tree Um, and he did hug the tree and then he climbed up the rock afterwards. So I didn't give him enough. I didn't give him enough instructions. Um, but I think we went back and spotted him and got him off and around the thing, no problems. Um, but yeah, this is like one of the last obstacles before you get to the, the split off. And so, uh, Clint, Clint ran ahead. Um, and he kind of radioed back to everybody. He's like, hey, you know, I probably wouldn't send Vae down this trail. He's the most top-heavy. There's some really off-camber stuff. And so we were like, okay. Um, so Vay stayed back, and Chuck also stayed back um, with him. I thought he was more
1: top-heavy than you, with your big-ass truck.
0: I guess. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff on the roof.
1: Like. I mean, I guess there's a lot of stuff on the roof.
0: I mean, the other thing I would say that this is no detriment to him um this is like the first time that he's been rock crawling Oh, Um, okay he's i think done less extreme off-roading for many years but he's had this truck he did a shakedown run and it was nothing like the rubicon so and he jumped in like straight into the fire like one of the most it's not the hardest rock crawling trail in the world but like it is rock crawling the entire time so and he did a great job um so just probably was safer to have him stay at the the loop. So it was Clint in the stretch TJ on with links and tons and everything. Uh, me in my truck, Chris in the Hummer H3 on 43s, and Kyle, who has the like Ultra Four TJ, um also on 40 inch stickies. Um and then Chuck and Vay and their co-drivers stayed back at the pond and just, they, I think they ended up taking a swim in that, in that lily, lily pad covered pond. So, um, oh. so yeah, we continue on. It's, it's really cool because there's, I gotta take, I gotta show the picture from the bottom. There's like huge slabs of granite that reminded us of Moab, um, where like, You're climbing this thing and it's like this is a pretty the picture doesn't do it justice. Picture number six. Um it's a pretty steep climb. Of course there's tons of traction because it's granite, like we're not slipping tires or anything, but it just was like you're looking at sky going up to the top of this thing and then you crest it and then it drops back down and um just really really cool scenery. Um there I don't have pictures of the off-camber stuff because we were scared for our lives. Um so Chris goes ahead of me on this one and I watch him and he gets way left on this. Like you have to go around a tree and then there's, there's a leaning like mar- granite slab and it slides you down towards nothing. Right. Um, if you remember when we were at wind rock mm-hmm. and we're just constantly leaning downhill and there's like no trees to stop you rolling. Um, it wasn't quite as bad, but you'd sort of at least be one or two rolls. Um, and so he's like, that was pretty, that was pretty tippy. He calls back over on the radio and I was like, yeah, it looked pretty tippy. And so I saw a different line where you go higher up on the, on the slab that drops your right front tire down a little bit. I'm hoping to stabilize. Um, So I start taking that line and then I feel my diff ground out and then I start inching forward and then it starts sliding down the hill again because now I don't have like one of the tire, the tires have less traction because the diff is, is dragging. And so I keep going but it keeps getting tippier and tippier and tippier. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what to do here, but we have to just keep going. Like there's no other solution except maybe winch. Um, it felt, it was definitely the tippiest part or the tippiest I'd ever felt on the Rubicon. Um, but I'm getting to, you know, have a better feel for my truck these days. And so I was like, we're okay. But as long like, I just don't want it to slide and like, like if it slides a big slide and then stops, then like that could be dangerous. So I just kept yeah, going slow, like literally inches at a time. I feel the front diff finally get past it, and then I turn uphill, and then I feel the rear diff do the same thing. And oh the God. rear end actually kind of slides slides downhill and points me up the hill better. So after that it was fine. But yeah, it was definitely a tip the tippiest part um that I that I'd had on the Rubicon. Um thus far and I'd done the whole thing minus old sluice. So, um, Jeez. so yeah, um, there was a couple other ones that were a little bit off camber, but that was definitely the worst. Um, so then we climbed that granite thing and we took a cool little picture with everybody's rigs. So I'll post nice. that one too. Cause it's fun. Um, yeah, this is at the top of that granite slab climb and then you just keep weaving in and out of the granite slabs. um, and then, you know,
2: there's, like, this little, like,
0: I had to take the, the, a wide turn um, because I definitely, like, where the video person is standing is where I have to be. And I just don't have the turning radius to miss the tree. Um, but, yeah, it ended up being kind of a cool little crawl. I know I'm skipping past, so. Oh, no, it's all good. I just don't want to, like, watch a video while the listeners are like, what are they looking at? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will post this video.
1: Is, um, this, is this with a patty or is this with still yeah, four bosses? Right here. Yeah, so day four or day three, you had a patty on there. Day zero, I had a oh, patty. Day zero, that was on the way. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I forgot. It's all
0: good. Um, so I did the whole Rubicon with one shitty Patagonia. And I do believe that if I didn't have that tire on the right rear, or if I didn't have it on the truck at all, I probably would have crawled soup bowl, but we'll see. I'll have to go back. Damn. Um, this is, this is the turn. This is the descent that we ha- had right after that video. I'll post it too. Cause why not? Um, it's pretty, pictures obviously don't do it any justice Yeah, you can't
1: tell that it's not just like you know just any hill with some rocks <laughs> right. on it
0: the one thing i would say about the rtf loop is that the granite has a lot more traction it's really rough um like natural granite mm-hmm. and um a lot of the granite on the rubicon trail has been sort of polished so much less traction so this we were slipping tires much less on this on this loop than the rest of the rubicon which is interesting that makes sense. um So, oh, somebody apparently got a video of me going down it. Um, And it's not that eventful. I mean, anyway, I won't post the video because it's the same as the picture, but um, yeah. So then it's just a really cool trail because it kind of weaves in and out of like these big open granite slab areas and then back into some like tree lines and some tight technical stuff and then back open into like, spectacular views and like just it's really cool like how they laid out this loop and it's it's not the hardest loop in the world but there's definitely some like really cool obstacles on it um twisty hairpins around the boulders and it's like the perfect length i think it ended up taking us just over two hours um to do the loop itself and then mm. maybe like 30 minutes in and out on the on the connector trail so like three hours is about right For a set of capable rigs, certainly if we had like a less capable rig, you know, it would take a little bit longer, more winching um, or winching rather. I don't think we pulled cable on this um, entire loop with this group. So, um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And I'm really glad it was, it was also kind of interesting because like we're all four were experiencing it for the first time. um, And so it's interesting to hear the tone change where everybody was like wow so cool wow so cool and not just me being like wow so cool mm-hmm. because you know for the rest of the trail i'm like holy shit this is so cool it's so beautiful blah, blah blah and they're like they've done it many times and they don't disagree but like hearing that sort of like new new energy coming out of the seasoned rubicon goers was, Man, was pretty cool so
1: taking the rubicon for granted that sounds not great just I don't like, yeah, think they I'll do t- this. Okay. I've done this eight times. It's not even pretty out here anymore. That's not what they were saying, Mike. <laughs> don't paint my new friends in a bad light. I'm just messing around. I'm sure it would be like waking up in Colorado every morning and looking out, like in, over the mountains, and being like, <laughs> this is pretty blah. I should move. And instead of being like, damn, wow.
0: Every time I drive on I 280 near near where I live, I'm like, oh, my God, damn. <laughs> it's pretty spectacular. Um, anyway. All right. So, all right. This is the last picture before everything went to shit.
1: So, this is when you guys are having a nice day. Everybody's chill. All the trucks the are working. Perfect. It's beautiful. All the trucks are working.
0: The weather's perfect. We're like, oh, man. I'm like... I was, best day start, of wheeling ever at the start of the rtf loop i was like i don't know if i want to do our you know old sluice because i've had two tie rod ends break and like i have more well, i don't have offset ones but i could get home but like i don't know if i want to deal with it and then at the end of the rtf loop i'm like fuck yeah let's let's do the old sluice like that was awesome i'm pumped up i'm ready to go um it's like I don't know, ten or fifteen minutes drive away from the exit of the RTF yeah, loop.
1: So no big deal. And guilt.
0: so I'm like, all quick right, ride. we're going. To, yeah, we're just a quick <laughs> ride. We're going. To hold Sluice. Okay. Um, this is okay. What time does this picture taken? This picture was taken at 1:43. We're exiting the RTF loop and heading back on the connector. This picture was taken at 5:18 p.m. <laughs> okay. There were no pictures in between. Um, so let me let me talk through exactly what happened because uh, there is probably some GoPro footage of what happened um, on Jeff's camera. So um, Jeff was riding shotgun with Vey, who had the red Hummer H3 on 40s and 14 bolts. Um, and Jeff has a youtube channel called sartrail t-s-a-r-t-r-a-i-l um also the same as is his instagram um and he's also got an h3 um he's from colorado so he was riding along for this trip but um i digress so he's doing a lot of gopro footage for his youtube channel and so he might have video of this but probably not when uh this episode comes out um but i'll walk you through what happened so in addition to some steering problems that Bay was having periodically throughout the trail, um, there's also a weird fueling issue, and it actually started like right at the very first obstacle of Rubicon uh, gatekeeper, and um, the H3 cut out uh, wouldn't start up again. Eventually we we jumped it, and I think then it started and stayed running. I was like, oh no, the alternator's bad, but that wasn't the case. I think he's got two batteries. I think one of them probably has a dead cell. And he ran it pretty low the night before, and it probably was just enough to stay running when he started in the morning. Um, but not enough time had passed to fully charge up the the other good cells, so there was also a fueling issue, which we found out was the root cause of it shutting off mid trail. Um, and there was a couple times throughout the day where like we're like, "What the like? Why did it just shut off?" And so we'd like check the fuse, and the fuse is blown. So there's probably a Ground wire or a pinch wire somewhere that's causing the fuel pump or some something in the fuel system to stop working and shut off the engine. Um, and so we're leaving there's there's this double waterfall where you like climb up one steep ledge of rocks and then you kind of have to shimmy over and then climb another steep ledge of rocks. And he gets up the first ledge of rocks and the truck shuts off. And he's like, What the hell do I do?' Starts it up, it stays running for like two seconds and shuts off. Starts it up, stays running for two seconds and shuts off. Starts it up, he gives it a gas um, and stays running this time. And he goes over the second um, obstacle or the second waterfall and gets a little bit too far to the right. Um, And so both the front tires are barely cresting the hill and the right rear is kind of down in a hole that's kind of undercut a little bit. And I think he was like, I just got to get up this because it's going to shut off again. And so he like gooses it pretty good. Um, and I watched the Hummer uh, bounce the rear tires off of the ground under power and land. And then I saw the front dri- or the rear drive shaft break. And then I saw the front tires come off the ground and land also under power. And we thought at that point that only the rear drive shaft had broken. So we're like, "Hey Vay, just hold on the brakes. Like, we'll winch you up. Start winching them up." And we hear, and we like ratchet strap up the rear drive shaft so it's not flopping around. Um, And then we hear the the nastiest crunching sounds in the world uh, coming from the transfer case. But not not a single drop of transmission fluid or transfer case fluid had dropped on the ground at this point. Um, And so we're like, "Well, we got to get them up to somewhere flat that we can fix what's going on." So we. We get him up there onto the flat over the waterfall and uh, pull the rear drive shaft. It's toast. Like the the U joint is broken beyond recognition. The oh ears goodness. are kind of twisted, um, but it could be salvaged enough to get him off the trail. Um, so we, st- I start working on that. I pull the rear drive shaft, hammer out all of the, the broken parts and cut out the U joint. The, the remains of the U joint and then start working on fitting a new U joint in, filing it out. Julian, my co-driver and coworker, is helping me. Um, and then we, we like put the new U joint in and it literally just, the caps just slide in because years uh, had been opened up yeah. so much. They're so like, well, whatever, we'll weld it. We'll get you off the trail and that'll be fine. Um, we put it in, he puts it in gear and then it rains parts onto the ground
1: Wow! So the transfer case grenaded. Um, the
0: transfer case grenaded. Still not leaking a drop of ATF, and it's not empty um, because when we pulled the dr- the drive shaft as a slip yoke, like it came out, the top of the housing of the transfer case just exploded, and the parts that were on the ground were chain pieces and another oh components. God. So I think the chain exploded when the front when the front landed under power. So rear drive shaft broke, probably still spinning. And then the front landed and probably grenaded the transfer case uh, once it got traction there. So so that was fun. Um, What do you do when you have a 7,000 pound Hummer stuck in literally the middle of the Rubicon? Mm. This this is what you do. (laughs) Drag it out. You drag it out. Um, Fortunately, the engine still ran. Um, So picture number 10 is me hooked up to the Hummer with a, a kinetic rope um, and uh, actually, hold on, because there's, well, we did not take many pictures. Okay, so there's more to this. I was not the first person to hook up to the Hummer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to be Hummer saves Hummer. And so Chris Chris hooks up to Vey and starts pulling him up the trail. They get to like the first... St- obstacle a lot of things become obstacles when you're towing seven thousand pounds of dead weight um they get to the first obstacle and i think chris gives it enough power to get over and there's a loud clicking noise and we're like what's going on that's weird um and then he keeps pulling him, and he's like something feels wrong and so he gets out chris tore the anti wrap bar mount off of the axle tube mm. so yeah that was fun um so they they stopped pulling vey um, and they pull over cause Chris has got a premier power welder on his Hummer. And so, so he and Kyle stay back to fix his rig and I start pulling they, um, and actually where this picture was taken is just after I believe the, no, actually I think this is further up, but anyway, the, <laughs> the first obstacle that I have to deal with is like a steep downhill into like a, a dry Creek and then a steep uphill. And so, we really did not, we were not in our groove at this point. I don't have any picture to share for this one. Um, we're not in our groove at this point. It takes us like 45 minutes to go 50 feet, a hundred mm. feet, maybe um, just cause it was like pull them with a long, you know, a single kinetic rope that's 30 feet unstretched. And now it's starting to rub on the granite and it couldn't tear. So then we go with the short one and then it's like, well, now we can't, now Derek is trying to climb and the Hummer is trying to climb at the same time. And then we'll try and winch. But then when he winches to the back of the truck, it starts sliding. And so it was just like getting him through that was like a nightmare. And I'm like, God damn it. We're going to get into camp at like three in the morning. Remember we start moving around 5 PM. Oh my gosh. Um, And so after that, it actually went surprisingly smoothly. Um, Clint was a leading bunch of the bypasses way. Bypasses or
1: something. So you didn't yeah, have to.
0: Every bypass, but the trail is not that easy that it's just entirely bypassable yeah um and so so clint's going ahead of me to kind of tell me which lines to take and like it's it's there's some tricky parts where like sometimes you need a short strap where you double up the kinetic rope and sometimes you need a a full long kinetic rope and there were a couple times where i had to have clint um you know hook onto the front of mine and like you know get momentum and bump him over stuff and and yeah it was it was a brutal I would say three hours, I think, before Chris got his rig fixed and eventually caught up to us um Jeez. and we had gotten we, it was like actually going surprisingly smoothly. I mean, my rig's pretty heavy. um I believe I have a pretty good traction despite the one patagonia i I would have just pulled him out with no issues if I had <laughs> Mickey Thompson in all four corners, but that damn Patagonia right um there were a couple points where like there's, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like a a small pond or just like a wet puddle. Maybe it dries out at some points, but you it's near old sluice for those that know the Rubicon, you'd kind of drop off of a big granite slab into like a muddy pit with a bunch of big rocks at the bottom of it and going the direction we were going, we had to climb up onto the granite thing. And so there's like, I don't know how tall, maybe two and a half to three feet on the on the passenger side that has to climb this. And then on the on the driver side, it's like a ramp. Um, but with a dead vehicle, um, <laughs> it's not that easy. And so we we get him up to it. I can't crawl him up it, so I'm like, all right, let me let me try and get some speed and bump you up it. And we do that, and then he like his whole rig, you know, slides to the right, and so now all both front tires are trying to climb sort of an undercut. And so uh, Clint hooks up to me. We also hook Vay's winch up to a tree that's to the left because he had slid right. So now he's kind of pulling himself to the left while we're also pulling him forward. And we did end up getting him up that it took a little bit of effort, but by that time we kind of had it dialed where like we knew how to bump it. We knew how to like, you know, do this, that, and the other thing to like make sure that we weren't, you know, getting him up the obstacles effectively. And I think the hardest part at this point was on like sort of the off camber, not super off camber, but the off camber stuff. Like when you go around a turn, it would just pull the rear end towards the Hummer. Um, so like get me off my line and then, you know, trying to get him to stay on his line was tricky too. So, um, but we, we made a good team. Clint was kind of calling out like, go this way, go that way. Um, there was also Kevin was walking alongside of everybody to try and spot. And also when we would need to go from a long rope to a doubled up rope, um he would do that too and, and Julian was helping out. Like everybody was just all hands on deck. And then when um you know, so like three or three and a half hours of that, uh we got to I don't Oof. even know I don't know if it's called anything. Um, but there's a climb going towards loop before you get to Little Sluice, there's a climb where it kind of jogs and then goes up a really rocky long climb and there's like a lot of medium to large size boulders and so at that point and there's a turn at the bottom of it so i'm like all right i can get up this um and i think if we can get you around this like turn i can get you up it but it was like he was kind of i was pulling him into a rock that was climbing that he was trying to climb but i couldn't get him up it because it was too big and so and it was like too late we had to back him up and there was nobody behind him to winch him back um and then he tried winching to the left and at that point chris finally caught up to us chris somehow managed to get around him winched him around that rock to himself
2: or to chris's (sighs) homer
0: and then got him sort of lined up and i think then i pulled him up the rest of the way and then at that point i was like chris do you mind taking over i need a break and he was like totally like no problem like you did so much um and like not to do my own horn, but Chris was like, You guys made it so much further than I thought you were. Like we kept driving and kept driving and kept driving. And we're like, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? And then they finally cut up to us and they're like, holy shit, you guys made it so far. Um and I was like, yeah, we just kept going. Like we never stopped. We never took a break. Like we just we kept going. Like we had to do it. Um yeah, you don't want to
1: be out there past dark.
0: Yeah. And it was at this point, the sun was not visible. Um, the sun had set, but like it was still kind of light outside. So Chris was like, yeah, I'll take over. So I'm like, I need to eat. Like I haven't eaten. I don't think we ate lunch or we might've had a a sandwich or something. I'm like, let's make some food real quick. Like we just made a sandwich, took a break. Um, and then caught up to them. So they go around little, little sluice because that's a really gnarly path. Um, they take the, the little sluice bypass. I don't know what it's called. um, and so we, Julian and I make some food. Um, we're kind of hanging out with Kyle because like too many cooks in the kitchen definitely was a real thing. Um, so it was like one person leads a couple people spotting and running ropes, one person driving the tow rig, and then Vay driving his rig. Um, by the way, shout out to Vey because <laughs> first rock crawling trip, uh, did the whole Rubicon and a good chunk of it backwards. Um, and then like he had this issue uh, i i it it, it jumped and like experience i think would probably he probably would have let off or taken a different line he will learn but i i do not fault him at all for what happened um he was such a freaking trooper he he ran his rig to the start um behind multiple people towing him and people yelling and and having, and getting frustrated and, and just, he was there, he was just kept trucking along, like no matter what he, he was always in good spirits. And I think, yeah. Um, so Chris keeps going, we catch up to them. I'm like, if you need anything, you know, radio, I'm like, if you need anything, let me know, but I'm at the back of the pack. And they were like, no, no, we're, you know, we're good. We're so they get, they get, there's a lot of other obstacles that Chris has to navigate and Chris and team have to navigate to get Bay through, Ultimately, it's pretty dark at this point. At one point we get to cell phone tree. I, I make sure that I get all my texts out to Emily and make sure she knows that I'm coming home the next day. Like we weren't sure if we were going to come home Saturday night or camp there and come home the next day. And then I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to leave early Sunday morning because we might get into camp at like four in the morning. Um, at this point we're feeling pretty good about like getting into camp at like a decent hour, maybe the, maybe on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but I'm just like, here's what's happening. And, and she was out. So I was like, make sure that text went out so she knew. Um, and so then we start catching up to them. And they're making great time because I'm like, I like I sent like three or four texts. Um, because I also have to return Derek Rickford's tire in Markleyville. Um, and so I'm kind of texting him at that point too. And so maybe we were there for like five or ten minutes, but it took us like 20 or 30 minutes to catch up to them. They were just scooting, man. Um and then some of the guys had run ahead to make dinner. Um, I think they sort of drank their dinner. Um, so there wasn't any dinner for us when we got there. And we're like, let's just go as far as we can get. Um, maybe we can even get to Loon Lake. And so we finally get to the Granite Bowl, which is the big open bowl of granite slabs, um, which at that point, that's nothing um, for, for towing Bay. And right. so I think when we get to the top of the other side, I think we should probably call it here and just camp here, not go through gatekeeper. It's nighttime. We're all tired. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, let's camp here. You know, Vay was like the only thing would be if uh, I think Jeff, his passenger had a somewhat early flight, but like at this point, all plans are out the window, out the window. So um, he was like, we'll figure it out. So they, so we, we get to camp. They're like, let's stay. And I'm like, all right, I'm making dinner. Like, I'll throw everything that we have on all of the stoves that we have. And then people will have food. And so I think we had like four hot links and buns. We had some hot dogs that we cut up and put in veggie chili. And then I had some pasta that Pavel had left with us, the the Bronco driver. Um, And threw that in some boiling water. And I'm like, what are we going to put in this? Like, I don't have any, like, butter or oil or or whatever, so... <laughs> so everybody spit. Just kidding. No, uh, we had some corned beef and mayonnaise uh, and some seasonings. And it actually was pretty fucking good, and it made the whole pound of pasta because I was like, those other guys, when they show up, are going to want to eat this, too. Um, And they didn't... So we had, like, a chunk of, like, more than a half a pound of Pasta and corned beef and mayonnaise.
1: (laughs) Interesting combo.
0: I ate some of it. I was like, you know what? This is not so terrible. Like if we were (laughs) if we were genuinely out of food, like I'd eat this and it would have some sustenance, some carbs, some protein. Like it wasn't the best pasta I've ever eaten, don't get me wrong, but like it was I could easily eat. I easily I ate like four or five bites of it and I was like, wow. But I'm full because I had two hot links. Um so, um, Damn. yeah, I think, I think that covers day three, da, 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 disgusting dinner. Oh, the other thing, um,
2: I guess I, well, here I can show, let's
0: see. I didn't, t- I didn't show any pictures of the recovery, but here's, this is not the granite bowl. Cause we would not have had that much daylight at that point.
2: This I think is near Arnold's Rock.
0: That's a pretty photo. Oh, no, that's, that's the next day. That's the other side of the granite bowl after we woke Are up. Are you out
1: there four days?
0: Uh yes. Well, sort of. Um three and a half days, I guess. Um
1: Are we gonna need a third episode to cover the last no, day? No,
0: no, no. We're almost we're almost done. Okay. Uh yeah, there's not really any great pictures. I guess I have this from when. The other guys showed up at camp, which is at 9.54 p.m. So we got to camp um, on the on the loon side of the granite bowl, um probably at 9.30 or 9.15, maybe. So all in all, pretty good day, like consi- all things considered.
1: Oh, for sure. Um That's not crazy and, late. You guys could still get some sleep at that point.
0: Yeah, I think I was going to bed when I took this picture of this frog. frog. Um, around 11.30, so... Um, this is the next day Chris stayed hooked up to they, this is sort of the sunrise. I'm going to save this picture, um, or share this picture because it's pretty epic sunrise. Yeah. really. (laughs) looking, it's it's almost like the sky is on fire. It's pretty great. Um, yeah. Uh, and so then all we had to do was get through
1: coffin looking thing. His tent.
0: Oh yeah. That's a tent cot. The other thing is tiny. It's like I don't know, a foot and a half off the ground and like folds in up into like a chair size wow. All setup needed. Yeah, it's just like a long tent for one person. Interesting. Um yeah, so then we towed Vay out to the start where Loon Lake is up to the top. And that was it. We made it through Gatekeeper, no problems. Um and so that probably took like maybe an hour. And so we're, I can't even tell you how long it took. Uh, So this is camp, probably about to leave at 7.20 in the morning. And then I think we said we were going to leave at 7.30. They got rigs on trailers at 8.30. And then this (laughs) this is
1: Chris's tow rig. Oh, it's just like, yeah, like an old dump truck.
0: It's a F550 that's been stretched and it has a bed. He bought it like that. Um, and it's just long enough to fit his entire H three on the back of it. No trailer needed. Wow. Um, and he was saying that, and it's four wheel drive, which is cool. Oh, um, is he was cool. saying that when he goes to like hammers and stuff, he can tow like a travel trailer, uh, behind it and tow the oh, homework and still not be overweight. That is awesome. So I will save this video. I think we're at 12. I'll share that too. All right, cool. Um, Yeah, so then we left, I guess, like right after that, which was nine in the morning, roughly. Um, And we went to Derek Rickford's place to drop off his 40 because he had already, he was leaving to go to full size invasion of Moab. Um, So this is Sunday morning. Um, So we get there. uh, His wife is there and she's like, if you need the shops over off to the side. I was like, well, I wouldn't mind doing an alignment. And it's a good thing we did because it was towed out like an inch and half <laughs> so wow. we fixed, fixed the alignment um remember i broke two tires yeah, we we
1: tire and you guessed where to put we them were back, just eyeballing so.
0: it yeah and so i mean it doesn't really matter because i no longer will be running these tires but it still like it was wandery and like that fixed that and like who yeah. knows what other stuff would have gone wrong so um generate extra tire heat and i already had one blowout we don't want two. um And so, yeah, that was around noon. We left Markleyville at noon and, uh, that's, oh, here's, oh man, here's the freaking climb I was trying to talk about. (laughs) It's at the end.
1: That was no big deal at all, except for you had to drag a rig up it. Exactly.
0: And you can see how, like, if, if they got even further to the right than I was, Mm -hmm. um, he'd be climbing two tires up a very steep wall. Oh yeah. Um, and so I'll say, I'll put this picture at the end. Uh, just so people know what I'm talking about. This is the sort of like near old sluice through muddy water up a granite climb, um, which like Mike said, is no obstacle or very, not an obstacle for my rig, not a major obstacle for my rig, except for towing a 7,000
1: pound rig up it. So extra um, challenge, just extra what you challenge. wanted, Derek, you exactly. always want the most challenge possible. You All right. So Sunday,
0: it. Sunday, we leave Markleyville around noon, hit the road and we're like, should we just go back the way we came? It's the same distance as if we go this other way up carson pass and thank god we went up carson
1: pass because look at this shit freaking beautiful
0: and it was like this the whole way like that was like a video two,
1: game Derek. It doesn't look like real life
0: the first two hours of the drive were like this it was insane like some of the most beautiful views that i've ever seen in my entire life um this is the 14th picture i'll post this one as well just from the driver's
1: seat this is another and, one of those photos that's so beautiful that you're like, this can't be real because the picture never captures the beauty, but I feel like it really did.
0: Dude, Julia and I kept being like, "Is it going to end?" like this is so for those that are in California, this is California route eighty eight. Um, I think it's up Carson Pass um, from Markleyville. I don't know where it starts, probably Tahoe. Um, and it goes through um Stockton instead of going the other way, which is through Sacramento, um, back to the Bay. And I I cannot emphasize enough how beautiful the whole trip was. And we stopped and got gas and gas was stupid expensive, but like totally worth it. (laughs) Um, The one thing that I would try to, I I will say that probably could have done better was like, we kept stopping out of these places that were like, oh, that'll be a cool place. to like, just, you know, just a roadside diner we stopped at and like nobody seated us and we're like, is there like anything going to happen? We asked and like, yeah, sorry. We're understaffed. And we're like, all right, we'll go on to the next place. And then we found this place that was like so-and-so's monster burgers. And so like Mm. we're standing in line and we're like, is there anybody going to help us? And they're like, well, we've been waiting 45 minutes for our burgers. So you might want to move on. And we're like, Oh Oh my God. So we left. And then we're like, let's let's Google the next place, and then we finally found a diner like near Stockton that was really good, but like not it wasn't impromptu, so we didn't have that sort of like adventure on the drive home. but man, aside from the uh the blowout on the way there and the tie rods, the truck did awesome, towed out or halfway out, vase rig, no issues um wheeled everything that I threw at it. I will eventually go back and check out old sluice and hopefully give it a shot. Um, but man, it was just a good trip. Um, the the other funny thing I'll mention is that the state trooper passed us and the guy, the the trooper in the passenger seat was like turned around in his seat, looking out the window. And I'm like, Oh, and then he's like, he like nods his head and smiles. And I was like, (laughs) that's like the coolest moment that I think I've ever seen on, on the highway.
1: I was going to um, say, I imagine the troopers out there see, like, lifted trucks nonstop all day, every day. I doubt that they're out there checking bumper heights.
0: I don't actually think that there are bumper height laws in California. I think there's headlight laws and taillight laws. Um, but yeah, the I, I got to say, for as strict as the smog stuff is, like, the lifted truck, there's a lot
1: of lifted trucks here. You're right. Oh, yeah, for sure
0: um and people. so did everyone except
1: for you trailer their rigs to la rubicon
0: uh they did not um and so oh. he had to he had to ride home in a in a rollback
1: um but he had a truck and trailer ready for he, him when you yeah, got yeah
0: he, he did not um he did have um he did get home sunday evening uh at how far is he dec- from home he's at oakland so about the same distance as me maybe a little oh, closer yeah. but um yeah. It's not a fast trip via rollback. And I think I also heard that the first rollback they sent was like super narrow, I guess. And so like he was too wide for it. So they had to like send another one, which is annoying. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, so he got home. I, he was talking about, so before the trip he was having trans transfer case leaking problems. And I think now he's probably pretty sold on buying an Atlas or some, some kind of beefier transfer case than the Hummer mm-hmm. 41. Um, but yeah, when I got home, I, I unloaded, I my aired out my soaking wet tent. I guess the air is pretty humid next to the lake. And so it was like literally covered in dew oh, yeah. uh, the next morning. Um, and then, yeah, hung out with the uh, unload, you know, unloaded everything from the truck, hung out with Emily and the dogs and just like reflected like on probably one of the best off-road trips that I've ever had. And that includes Ultimate Adventure. <laughs> Um, wow. It was kind of. It's actually. It's funny that I mentioned that because, like, one of the things I was thinking of. You know, we were. I was talking to Julian on the drive home. I'm like, that kind of felt like all of the wheeling in Ultimate Adventure scrunched down into three days because we did the Rubicon twice, plus towing a seven thousand pound rig out for a good chunk of it. Um, we did it once in each direction fully um and also hit a lot of the optional pretty much all of the optional obstacles except for old sluice so wow. and it was i think on onyx i had it tracking the whole time i think it was at like just over 31 miles entirely off road entirely rock crawling which that is sounds
1: long. like right up your sleeve derek if you could just rock crawl nonstop all day every day it i need new suspension
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, i got you need beat a 4 link no, not necessarily. Um, I need better shocks. These shocks that I have on the truck are not sized for the weight of my rig. They do fine <clears> on the street. They do fine on slow rock crawling. They even do okay on bumping it, although it does bounce a lot when I bump bump things. Um, but on the like crawling over dozens of basketball sized or slightly larger rocks, every time I'd come off of one of those, it would just be like thump, crunch, like hit the hit the frame or the slider or the, the belly skids. Um it was I was literally beat up by the end of it just trying to go quickly over the really, really choppy stuff. Um and I think a good set of like 2.5s would would
1: help a lot. So um are they adjustable damping or you just order them for your weight or what?
0: I would I would talk to like a company like Accutune and give them my like vehicle weight and corner weights and and unsprung weights and say, Hey, and I would probably get the front ones threaded so someday I could use the same shocks for a link setup. But I think it's something I could probably do without spending the money on links. Um, because I do want to move to a Dana an O five plus Dana sixty when I go links because 1550s. Because of the extra steering angle, yeah. Um so but this is something I could do. I get my bonus later this year. I could do this now and have better suspension. Um and stay link leaves um without linking it. Um so, I think that's probably what I'll do. I priced it out. It's not cheap um just over three grand um, for but shocks. Man, yeah, for four shocks, right? two threaded um eventually coil overs, and that's with springs, so I think they'll be a little bit cheaper, so maybe it's just under three grand. but
1: so you can um, use coil overs as shocks. I'm not sure I've ever heard of that before, but that's interesting. I mean, they're literally just
0: coil over coils over, well, over shocks. shocks,
1: yeah, I know I mean, I guess I. I understand what you're saying. I've never heard of someone spending the money on coilovers to use it as a shock.
0: You have. Connor Lund did. Did
1: he? Yeah.
0: He he upgraded his shocks when he was still Leaf, all around, and then eventually linked the front.
1: With and those just reuse shocks. the shocks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you just get more travel than you need because obviously you're gonna have more travel when you link it. Uh,
0: I don't think I need more travel now. I have 14 inch travel shocks and. That's fine. I'll is probably it? go with 14s again. Oh,
1: I I, I think just assumed that the whole point, typically, of going like leaves is uh, the four length setup is that you have more travel.
0: No, I think I mean, maybe I could get more travel, but my truck flexes a lot in the front. Um, I don't need more travel in the front. I want more control, and I want better road characteristics. Okay, in the front, and I'll stay leave leave in the back. I, I also want to redo the link le- the leaves in the back when I link it, um, I want to go to a tension shackle. I'm currently in a compression shackle from a shackle flip, mm-hmm. um, with a higher arched Lee leaf pack, like from Deaver or something like that, or Alcan. Yeah. Um, cause I saw Offroad design running that set up on their, on their OBS or 2000 year 2000 OBS. Um, and they, they get a lot more flex than I do on the down stroke. Cause you kind of like, as the, as the tension shackle leans forward, you get extra droop. Sort of oh, speak. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, um but then also, like right now, the shackles are the very first thing that hit when I come off of obstacles. They hit a lot, so if I can get those up a little bit higher, um, that'll help. Just departure
1: angle. And no, because comfort. if you were in attention shackle, the whole setup would just be higher.
0: Yeah, and if it does hit, it's like solid. It's not
1: the shackle. Like my shackle hitting the leaf big. spring. Essentially, it's hitting the truck, the chassis. Yeah.
0: I mean, right now the shackles stick down below the leaf springs, but they're super tore up, like super bad, oh, yeah. super gnarly. Um, Mine are pretty so, tore up too. I get yeah. it. Um, and then uh, I was perusing the old Facebook's marketplace and I found a set of five Maxis Trepidor radials. they not cool ones, but they mm. are 40. They are as
1: pretty, that's for sure. The, the bias plies are like, ooh, child. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, for fifteen hundred bucks, and I, I messaged the guy, I was like, Hey, will you sell the fifth one just so I have a tire? Um, and he was like, Nah, I want to sell all five. So because I had messaged him, Facebook notified me a few days later when he dropped the price to a thousand dollars. And I was like, A thousand dollars, I will buy these now. I have cash. Where do you live or where are they? And he was like, Well, they're at my shop, so can you come tomorrow? You know, during business hours. And I was like, Yes, I'll be there at whatever time. And I showed up, cash in hand. And I now have a set of four, five rather, uh, Maxxis Trepidor radial 40 inch tires um, that are
1: two of which are installed on the truck. The other two
0: I didn't get to last night. Um,
1: are they a forty thirteen point five seventeen? They are indeed. And they have any like patches, plugs, damage, anything? Nope. So, and they have roughly half tread. Wow. That's a hell of a deal.
0: Yeah, hell of a deal. And the guy was like, "These things hook." I'm like, "Well, we'll see about that." Um, compared to the
1: Mickey's, yeah, Mickey's, <laughs> Mickeys compound is very good, but traps are pretty awesome. Traps are awesome. They have almost um, looked cool. I remember how to set. I'm not even sure. Have we wheeled with anyone that had traps? Um, Dexter had the trepidor bias bias on his suburban.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Um, I haven't wheeled with that suburban in so long. I can't even remember how it did.
0: I think it did okay. I think they were pretty new, so and I I hear that bias ply tires need are not in. that great. Yeah, they need to be broken in. So, um, but Bray's got the razors. I think Connor also has the razors, and those both the, perform really well. Surprisingly, it's like well. a
1: mud terrain tread
0: pattern. Yeah, kind of like it's, not it's, super open. It's like the radial version of the creepy crawler. So it's got the like kind of big blocks in the middle, and then like. Even bigger blocks on the side, but there's kind of like a swoopy tread shape well, to now it. Now that guess. you
1: say creepy crawler, it makes me not remember if the creepy crawler or the trepidor looks cooler when in their bias play version.
0: The the trepidor looks way cooler in bias play.
1: Okay, bias trepidor. Yep, super cool. Okay, bias creepy crawler.
0: The creepy crawler looks pretty cool too, but I, they both look so good. The radial trepidor search that one. It's pretty. It's pretty lame by comparison to the bias ply. It's not a bad tire, but like the sidewall is just. There's nothing. And actually, that was one of my complaints. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Is that there's not there's really no side biters at all on the, the radio doesn't have
1: like this insane sidewall. That's like halfway or more, maybe even more than halfway down the sidewall. Yeah. The tread. Well, it's they, just they like... get
0: away with that because it's a, a a bias, but, but even the Baja bosses have like pretty good side biters that the, the does not. So yeah, that's okay though. I mean, they'll, they'll tide me over the, the 42 inch Mickey Thompson Baja boss is not out yet for 17s. Um, and so the the Trepidor radios will tide me over until sometime next year when A they're released and B I can afford them because I'm sure yeah, they're going to okay. be like eight or nine hundred dollars higher. Um, yeah, yeah, and that will also give me some time to like move the front axle forward, still staying link le- leaves, um move the front move the steering box forward. So I have a plan. Those who listened to the Patreon last week kind of know my my plan. that's it in a nutshell, um but yeah. So I think um, that pretty much does it. The Rubicon was amazing. The Rubicon was unrelenting, and just to add a little extra bonus challenge, uh, we had to tow <laughs> we had to tow Vay out. But happy to do it. Um, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that like the off road community is always willing to lend a hand, and I I I like to think that I'm no different. I'm always they're ready to help fix people's stuff or tow them out. And, you know, Chris, same way. I think there's sort of that, like, not that only people that go on ultimate adventure are like this, but like definitely if you've been on ultimate adventure, like that's probably your first instinct is to like, all right, I want to be the first one in there to like fix this or tow this or recover this or whatever. Um, And so like, it was just really cool to see how everybody, in the group kind of banded together to like make sure that we got payout safely. And, and we did, we succeeded. It took a little while, but it, it could have taken a lot longer and I'm glad that we all were able to do it. And most importantly, nobody got hurt. Cause the one thing I, the one thing I was worried about watching Vay's front tires come off the ground was him going over backwards. Um, so it's probably a blessing in disguise that the rear drive shaft broke. Um, because if it had got traction, I don't know what would have what would have happened. Or if it had got traction yeah, yeah. and stayed together, I don't know what would have happened. Because it was a pretty serious like flop onto the roof behind him. So
1: well, I'm glad that, that I mean, didn't happen. Yeah, I mean who knows what would have happened, but either way it didn't. So broken parts are easier to fix than broken people.
0: That's right. Um and you can always rebuild a new rig. Uh you can't rebuild the person. Well, I guess you can people heal, but not you going have a broken. bionic
1: body and be like Terminator E. Be fun. Yeah.
0: That's like an archer. Yeah. Um and Julian, my co-driver and co-worker was an awesome uh co-driver and I guess passenger like just always willing to lend a hand, helped cook on nights that we were like getting in late and stuff and like he also helped he bought all the food um for me and Pavel um and so uh, really happy to have him come along too. So it's always good to have, you know, a passenger. I, d- I didn't expect any of that. Um, so it's, it's nice to have for sure, but, uh, definitely makes, you know, <laughs> it's, it's much better to have somebody who's like helping out and like interested in off-roading and experienced in off-roading, um, Absolutely. Than, than not, but I also am happy to have people that aren't experienced in off-roading come with me.
1: Yeah, because it's uh it's good either way because one way you have somebody that can really help and knows a lot and it's probably interesting and just seeing the joy that a new person experiences when they go off-road for the first time, that can be pretty rewarding too. For sure.
0: Well, and it was definitely not Julian's first time off-road, but he had not been on the Rubicon before and he was a little, he has an 80 series that's on 35s, triple locked. He's a little concerned like, oh, I don't know if my rig can do it and I think he's like, yeah, now I know exactly what needs to be done um to my rig before I go and do it and we also kind of learned like let's just go through one direction and then be done at the end mm-hmm. <laughs> cuz it's fun it's it, it's it's a different challenge going the other direction but it is a rough trail and that is a lot of extra wear and tear on both rig and driver going in both directions so um I think it would have been a very very relaxing 3 days if we had just gone through um in one direction. But in a in a way I'm happy that we did it this way. I got to see all of the Rubicon twice in two different perspectives. So I'm not complaining. Um but it was it was a lot more <laughs> than I think I expected. So
1: so I know yeah. you guys did that offshoot, that loop you were talking about, but you also ran backwards to get back to where you started. Was that the yeah, idea? So,
0: summary we started at Loon Lake. We camped at Spider Lake the first day, which was like not that far in, maybe a third of the way in. And then we went from Spider Lake Lake, all the way to the end of the trail at Observation Point and then back to Spider Lake in one day. Oh, wow. And then we went to the Rubicon Trail Loop, which was back towards the end of the trail. Not that far. I think maybe like an hour or so. Um, And then did the loop. And then of course we had to get Vey back. So we had to do basically half the trail if you count the 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 loop um, to get back to Loon Lake with with Vey in tow. So we did essentially the whole trail plus a little bit of extra with the loop. We did the whole trail twice with a little bit extra because of the loop. Cool. So yeah. Two and a half times, we'll say. Yeah, it was a long trip, but it was one that I'll never forget. That's for sure.
1: next time you go, you'll be a Rubicon expert and you'll be like, actually.
0: Actually. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) definitely not an expert. um, But I think I definitely took in more of the trail doing it this way than just doing it once through. I think a lot of the things that I passed by the second time i'm like oh that's whatever oh that's an obstacle oh oh interesting oh i remember this so like yeah in a way i'm not i'm not upset about it so it was cool. a good trip and i can't wait to go back but probably we'll go back next year <laughs> when i have new suspension there you go
1: yeah that's wonderful I'm that's all i got man well. we've
0: been talking i've been talking mostly for like the last i don't even know how long
1: no it's all, it's all good this has been kind of a longer podcast we should probably Move over to the Patreon since it's getting to be pretty late over here.
0: Yeah, let's talk through our our partners. Actually, I'll start because complete off-road. Uh, for all of your off-road needs, talk to Chris Willey. Uh, You can give him a call at 563-583-5363. Um, and I will be giving him a call for two more offset tie rod ends because I need spares for
1: my next trip. Did I mention my shock issue? You did not. I didn't know if I mentioned it last trip. So I got snowed on the lift at work and realized I had a blown out shock, not just blown out. Mm. Like
0: you did mention it. I'm sorry. But go did ahead I mention
1: me. that Chris was able to get them for me? Like right and away,
0: you brought them to core and you swapped them when you got there.
1: I swapped only the leaking one. Me and Groby did it in the parking lot of complete off road like, before we went to day one of wheeling. Nice. But anyway, yeah, he found me shocks that weren't available somehow. I, I don't know how he did it. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Chris. You're amazing.
0: He's amazing. Um. So if you have needs, mostly for off road stuff, but maybe other needs too, call
1: Chris. <laughs> I actually mentioned that to him when I saw him. I was like, I always forget that you can just get any like truck parts. Like, I'm like, I need LS stuff. He's like, I can get that too. It's like you don't just ha- it doesn't have to be off road. And like, yeah. you just need parts, and you're gonna order them online anyway. Just call me up. I'll hook you up. I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I? So anyway, I always forget that, but I shouldn't because he can get it probably maybe most likely.
0: And we have a discount code, which I don't remember. It's probably top 10, but I'm not
1: 100%. It's usually top 10. But if not, if you call him and mention the podcast, I'm sure he'll tell you what it is.
0: (laughs) He definitely will give you the discount.
1: (laughs) All right. We got crawler off road for all your recovery gear. I actually just ordered Finally, a uh, winch synthetic line and a fair lead. Nice. I, uh, I talked to Rick about it at the event, and he was like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll hook you up. And uh, finally, I'm getting away from my torn, tattered steel cable and getting into a synthetic winch line. Wait, you have a steel winch line? On my trailer winch, Derek. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It was steel. It got me by. It got me moved because when I moved, I had to tug everything onto the trailer with that steel winch yep. line, but it was just all kinds of messed up. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, going synthetic, yay.
0: Yay. Uh, more flate for your inflation needs. They've got that awesome... I can't remember the name of it. It's the 10.6
1: PSI Pro, and I used one this weekend. And it was amazing? It aired up my 38s from 10 to 25 in about five minutes.
0: Oh my God, that's so fast. It, my I, my ViAir takes 20-something minutes or eight, 16 minutes or something like that. Ugh.
1: Best part is at the end, I was concerned it was going to be too hot because uh, who had it? Rich, the owner of Complete Off-Road, he had one. I was like, can I use your more flight? And he's like, yeah, here you go. Set it up. No big deal. It took like, you know, five minutes to set up. If that hook it up to the battery, it was done. I was like, well, yeah, but now we can't put it back in the bag. It's just too hot, right? He's like, not really. And we touched the, the little heat sinks and we're like, nope, not too hot. It was, don't get me wrong. It was hot, but it wasn't like so hot. You were worried about melting your bag. It was just like, you could touch it with your hand.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, my
1: you needs to air, cool off for like five or ten minutes before I can put I it away. I was impressed. I really want one. I've won one a long time now. I live so close to the Badlands. I really feel like I should get one because now I'm just gonna drive Snow Day there, air down real quick, air up real quick, drive home. Like, I just got to, yeah. I just got to drop them dollars. That's the, that's the trick.
0: Just drop them dollars. Well, they're a know. partner of the podcast, so maybe you'll. have I to go know I less can get dollars. a
1: discount, but still <laughs> ugh, the dollars. Um
0: and i gotta give uh i I gotta give i don't know what i'm trying to say here we love you tyler i'm just giving you shit earlier in the podcast so um buy his product it's good the flexilic hose on the on the actual tire squid the morphlate, is such so much better than the garbage that i'm using um i keep saying that i need to talk to him but i'm actually going to talk to him this time um (laughs) about getting a plate for myself. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that the compressor is awesome because that is a game changer. The thing is dope and yeah. Who it else? was shocking. Yeah, it sounds like it.
1: Yeah. I had never used one, that 10.6, pi would used a plate. Maybe Steve had one, but I hadn't used the 10.6 PSI Pro before and it was a game changer. For sure. Who next? Offroad Anonymous for your fabrication and fun parts. Aka Jacob. Sorry, I I know I keep saying that.
0: I thought you were gonna say uh, Aka the Milwaukee Cup Holders.
1: No, I'm 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 back on my Jacob Signature Series trip. I feel like he Uh, doesn't even listen to these. He never mentions it. But I'm just like Jacob Signature Series tabs and fabrication parts.
0: Jacob, if you're listening, (laughs) can you please send Mike a laser cut like. Oval shaped thing that says Jacob Signature Series, so you can make him welded onto Snowday somewhere.
1: Oh, definitely. Well, I definitely will. I Am I allowed to? Wait, do I have anything? Yes, I have my fire extinguisher mount is actually in Snowday. I mounted it right before the trip, and my uh, what do you call it? What's the fire aid? My fire aid is mounted to it right behind nice. the driver's seat on the interior roll cage. It's badass. I feel
0: like you? Do you have axle tie down hooks? No, I just
1: use axle straps. You need to get those from Jacob. I mean, I guess I could. I I like the simplicity of axle straps. Like, I don't like having that extra part on the axle. I like it to be like super clean. Fair. It's not that I don't think they're a good idea. I just really like not having something extra. Bad idea. I I just it's not for me. I like that clean look. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh,
0: Summershine for your polishing needs. Actually, it's interesting because, um my rear bead lock got effed, and I think part of it was like, I know the Patagonia is on the passenger side rear. So if I'm in a tight squeeze, I'm just going to drag the rear bead lock against whatever I'm oh, yeah, squeezing against because I trust that more than the H two wheel to like, not yeah, crack. For sure. Um, and I did it a lot. And the, <laughs> the, the face of that particular bead lock is pretty, pretty raunchy. So I took, um, I don't even know what you call this. It's like a paint stripper wire wheel. It's like an abrasive, but kind of held in place with glue. It's not like a 3M Scotch-Brite. It's like way coarser than that. Mm. And so I took that. It strips off the powder coat
1: and smooths out a lot of the rough surfaces. It's probably like a roll lock disc. We call them cookies at work. But it's for an angle grinder, four and a half. Yeah, it's for an angle grinder, yeah. Oh, no, I'm no. sorry. It's not ringing. I was just for die grinders, but I mean no, no, no,
0: bigger. But it, it's it's like this thick. I'll, I'll find oh, wow. I'll find what it's called, and we'll talk about it.
1: Regardless, you can use it to smooth out the. Gadgets. Yeah, now
0: now well now two so far of my beadlock rings now have a brushed finish. Mm. Brushed aluminum.
1: You should polish um, those real quick.
0: Well, I now so I was getting to I was going to talk to Steve uh-huh. about getting some polishing compound and polishing them up when I at least when I put the forty twos on I don't know if I do it before. Um, I get it. Yeah. A lot of work. And think one more, right?
1: Oh, yeah. We can't forget rad designs.
0: Shifty. Get shifty. Right. I'm doing a silent shifting for Mike on the screen.
1: Yes. <laughs> when you need a shifter for nearly or anything and you're sick of your wobbly factory stick that kind of does stuff. Call rad designs.
0: And I think that's it.
1: So we've called out the sponsors. We did it. We did, we did our it. due diligence, Derek. We did it. We've All also right. been talking for way too long and yep. I have to go to bed. But also Mike we have to report for Patreon. Mike, do you have less words? Oh, shit. You know what my last <laughs> words are? This is something. I, I do it uh, for my own personal benefit when I wheel. But I also do it for other people when I ride with them. They hate it. I write a list of everything that your rig needs that you noticed <laughs> while you're wheeling. Now for me it's great because I get home and I slowly check off that list and then like a week later I'm like, yep, ready to wheel again. Well most people, I'm like, hey, I noticed this isn't working. They'll tell me it's not working right and list and I send it to them. They're like, I hate you. Stop pointing out shit that's wrong I that I'm like, I'm doing this for you. Doing you a favor. Anyway I do the same while thing. you're wheeling like the moment that you're like oh shit this is broken. I should really fix that. Or oh shit this is loose I should really tighten that. Open up your notepad on your phone add it to the list see Derek does it too I'm not kidding it's so great because then you're never like what was that thing and then if you fix it it's not something that next trip out you're like oh it's broke I'm done
0: guys guess what one of my post-trip tasks was find 40s check box
1: look at that there's nothing that feels good like marking something off your list right that's right so good
0: um I still gonna need to clean my kinetic rope and i need to figure out what's going on with my oil pressure it hit like 70 psi on the drive home according to the dash uh that's Uh, and yeah it seems a little high doesn't it um so i don't know yeah Uh, i plugged in my scan tool and it does not have the pid for oil pressure so (laughs) need to figure that out um but i'll probably change oil and see if that fixes it and if not then i don't know might be looking for a 5.3
1: oh man speaking of five threes we got it we got it at the patreon
0: yeah let's do it all right thanks everybody for listening to episode 185 the rubisode part two and we'll catch you on the trail which
1: will be on which will be on finally thank god yes